Um, we're, we're here to look at the great Canticle of the Creatures by St. Francis. And during the day, we're going to explore that from a number of different angles and reflect on its significance for us today. But I want to start by just emphasising, well, which is obvious from the title, that it is a canticle. It is a song. And uh, we're going to be singing, which is why Chris is here. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> I want us actually to start by singing. Um, by singing uh, a love song, not the Canticle of the Creatures, but uh, singing a contemporary song, which I hope you will know well. It's a, it's a, it's a folk song um, with a very, very familiar tune. Um, the, the song Scarborough Fair. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It's yes. a haunting tune. And it's, it's, you know, it's from that English folk tune tradition. Um, many of which are love songs. Many of which are love songs. And of course, in, in every language, in every culture, you find that um, love is communicated best by song <clears throat> and, and by parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, of course. Um, Francis saw himself as a troubadour. He, he referred to himself as a troubadour of the Lord, singing love songs singing love songs to his Lord. And that's the, that's the context in which we need to read and to um, understand and to <coughs> sing and to pray the canticle. There's, there's, there's a seat up here and one over there. There's one over there. <coughs> um, <coughs> just a fact... A, a little bit of a background to, to Francis, because I know that everybody knows that Francis loves animals. Some people don't know much more than that. Um, I know if I go to a, to a primary school and I say, do you know anything about St. Francis? Hands will fly up and say, he loved animals. But actually there's, there is more to Francis than loving animals. Uh, and I think uh, he's a much more rounded um, and interesting figure than just a sort of a, a, a person who who loved, loved their sort of um, fluffy animals. So just a bit of a background to his, to his, to his life in, in which the canticle is set. Um, he, was, <clears throat> he was born Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Bernardoni, the son of a wealthy Assisian cloth merchant. Um, his father had married uh, a French woman possibly on his visits to the cloth fairs of Provence, uh, where he would buy cloth to bring back to, to Italy to sell. Um, his father was an up-and-coming citizen of Assisi, at a time when the merchant class of Assisi was flexing its muscles and the, the, the uh, commune had won its independence um, from its overlord. And Francis grew up in that culture, um, his, and he, he, he spoke... He, he, he spoke French, but his mother taught him to, to sing in French. That's taught him some of the love songs which she knew, which is why his friends nicknamed him Francesco, or the Frenchman. And that's the name which is, that's the name which is stuck, although he was baptised John. Uh, as a young man, he, had, uh, he lived a fairly wild life. He, um, his father indulged him. <coughs> 
uh, with money for clothes and parties and times with friends. And he had uh, an ambition also to be a soldier, to win his fame and glory as a soldier. But a number of um, encounters in his early 20s led to a radical change of direction for him. The first actually occurred as a result of warfare. He, uh, he was part of the army of Assisi, which went to war with the neighbouring city of Perugia, a much bigger city. And uh, it was a disastrous battle. And he was captured and he spent up to a year in prison, in a dungeon, um, which had a traumatic effect on him. Perhaps he was suffering from what we now call, would call post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, but he came out of that deeply depressed and found it hard to find any joy in the world around him. Um, He recovered from that, and he set out again for warfare, but was turned back this time by a dream, a dream which he had, which basically the message was, there's something better for you. There's a better thing to go to seek than your glory, your um, honour, your your status. Uh, Another encounter took place on the road outside of Sitsi, when one day he was riding along and he saw someone begging beside the road. And being a generous young man, particularly with his father's money, um, <laughs> he, he stopped um, to toss the man a coin. And then suddenly drew back in horror because he recognised this was no ordinary beggar, this was a leper. And Writing at the end of his life, he, he, he acknowledged that he had a deep fear of leprosy, a disease which rots the flesh, it stinks, it, it's unclean, but also in those days believed to, be, believed to be a disease of the devil. And he said, the sight of lepers nauseated me. But something made him not recoil in horror, but overcome his revulsion, and in fact kneel down in front of the beggar, take the man's rotting hands in his own, and put his lips to them, and to kiss him, and to embrace him as Brother Leper. A profound, profound um, uh, encounter which changed his view of life. Um, Perhaps in that moment he recognised how God, out of his great love for us, had come down to share our, our humanity, our humility, our brokenness, our dis-ease um, for, for our love's sake because that was that was what overwhelmed him really and that was the overwhelming sort of narrative of, of, his, of his life God coming to us in humility and uh, participating in our life God condescending um, a word which now we Used in a very negative way, but in, 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 in his terms, it was, a, it was a gracious coming down to participate in our life. Another encounter took place <clears throat> on the, uh, in, 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 outside Assisi in the little ruined church of San Damiano, outside the walls. He was praying there in front of the crucifix, which you can see a copy of it um, on the back here. That's of the Byzantine crucifix. And kneeling there and wondering what to do, no longer content with his former life, he hears the words from the cross saying to him, Francis, go and repair my house which you see is in ruins. And he took this as a message, a commission, a commission from God. 
And it led actually to the final break with his family because in order to repair the church, he, um, he, 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 he visited his father's warehouse, took the finest cloth from there, loaded it on a horse, rode down to Foligno, sold the cloth and the horse, came back and gave the money for the building of the rebuilding of the church. His father was not pleased. <laughs> um, and it, it actually led to his father hauling him in front of the bishop and demanding repayment. And if you turn to the first page four in your, in your um, book, you will, <clears throat> you will see um, the scene of, uh, dramatized in this, in this uh, picture, in this, uh, in this medieval painting. Of, um, Francis goes, Pietro Benedetti brings Francis before the bishop and demands the painting. The bishop finds in favour of his father. He should not have stolen the cloth and, and, and says that he needs to hand it back. Francis, being a particularly a dramatic, um, um, <coughs> a dramatic mind, he hands back what he has, what was being taken, the money which was being taken, and he then strips himself naked in front of the whole commune and hands his clothes to his father and says, "From now on, I count no one on earth my father except my father in heaven." I mean, deeply shaming for his father. The bishop, you can see there, putting his um, his um, chasuble or his um, coat around around Francis for the sake of modesty, um, and his father obviously very very angry. But it led to the final break, and Francis goes off to become a hermit, um, living in the woods and in caves, and and, and then um, beginning as as a result of listening to the gospel, beginning to preach, to preach repentance and peace. Um, initially scorned and ridiculed by the, his fellow citizens of Assisi, the children apparently ran after him in the road, calling him uh, Padzo, Padzo, madman, madman. They thought he'd gone mad. And in some sense, of course, he had gone mad in terms of the culture of the time. Uh, but, but there was an authenticity about his preaching and his life so that people began to join him. Other, some friends from Assisi. And they, they, when, there, when there are 12 of them, they go to the Pope in Rome and they um, present to him for his approval a simple rule of life based just on words from the Gospel. Um, a, 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 and and they, they, they then go as, as in, in pairs, as the Gospel says, out and about preaching, preaching thanksgiving for the love of God, uh, giving praise to God, but also calling people to repentance and to peace. And it's hugely effective. I mean, there were 12 brothers in 1210 when they went to Rome. 16 years later, by the time Francis died, there were between five and 10,000 friars around Europe. They called themselves friars, not monks, friars, brothers, the fratres minores, the lesser brothers, lesser than any other community in the church. Francis wanted to emulate the pattern of God in Jesus Christ, becoming lesser, emptying himself um, to, uh, and to offer himself and offer his life. His preaching style was, um, his preaching style was, was, was popular. I mean, he spoke to people. He, he was not a learned cleric. He was unlettered, he said, um, which meant he didn't, he wasn't, I mean, he could, he could read, 
but he couldn't read Latin well, and he couldn't write Latin well. He had to get other people to do it for him. But he managed to communicate through a very popular style, which included, um, included maybe a lot of movement and, and dancing. Um, his, 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 his first biographer, Thomas of Chilano, said, as he preached, he moved his feet as if he was dancing, not playfully, but burning with the love of God. Um, some people are scandalized. This isn't how you were supposed to preach. You have to be rather serious. But Francis, no, a sense of great joy. And including in his preaching was singing. Singing. He would burst into song for the love of God. And he would take that, that troubadour tradition, the, the tradition of, of, of singing love songs to one's lady, one's spouse, and uh, honouring it, uh, all to do with, all connected up with the idea of chivalry in the, in the Middle Ages, the honour you paid to a fair, a fair, a fair um, a woman, and he, uh, but he would adapt those to, uh, but turn them to the love of God. So there's the account of him um, uh, on one occasion going going to preach at the castle of Count Orlando, where there was a festival going on, Francis jumps up on the wall and he sings, he sings the, one of the well-known love songs or phrases in love song, how great a good I have in sight that every pain I count delight. And he, uh, it, it, it was directed to the love of a lady, but Francis says, speaks about the love of God. How great a good I have in sight that all my pain I count delight. Um, uh, and he sees himself, he sees himself as a, as a minstrel, a minstrel of the Lord. Apparently he says to one of his brothers, Brother Leo, who are the servants of the Lord unless they're in some way his minstrels? That's what we're called to be minstrels of the Lord. So Francis was very much part of that, that, that troubadour tradition. And the canticle, which we're going to look at, is, is, is part of that, that tradition. It was written at the end of his life, within the, last, within the last two years, within the last year and a half of his life, which, as I'll explain later, so it was a, a very significant um, period for him and, and time um, he was actually blind at the time and in great pain but we'll say more about that but what I'd like to do is to is to actually have a look at the canticle the sort of the, the literal version of the canticle which you have on the first page <coughs> and what I'm, I'm hoping to do in this first session is really to to go through um, the text of this and to point out one or two features about it. it this is a sort of the more sort of technical bit um, of the day, really, just showing you what's, what's in the canticle. And then in the second session, we'll be looking at what's the significance of that, particularly for our understanding of our own relationship with creation. What does it mean for our ecology? or our ecological understanding. That will be the second session this morning. And the third this afternoon, the first this afternoon, will be about, about um, 
about our relationships with each other. What does it offer that? Because part of the canticle is about our human relationships, and particularly about forgiveness, about peace, about bearing suffering, and about meeting and embracing sister death. Uh, so that will be the third session. And the last session we'll come back to, to praise, joining us on the creation. Uh, that's what I'm hoping we'll be doing. What I want to say is that you know, it's, it's a, um, I don't want to be speaking for a whole hour on length. It's too long. And it's too long for me, too long for you. And so I will, there'll be time for reflection amongst yourselves. We can't break up into groups. There are too many of us. We're sort of, we'd unscramble the chairs and then, then we'd never get them together again. But, but what I hope you do, might do is just chat to your neighbours for a little bit and then we can have some dialogue um, uh, between, between us um, for the end, in, in the, the last part of each session. So, let's have a look at this, this canticle of, of St Francis, this great song of the creatures. Um, and what I'd like to do is for us just to read it out loud together. <coughs> it's not in, in rhyme, um, and I'll say a bit about that in a moment. Um, it's, of course, a translation, and uh, so it's, it's not easy to read together, but I think actually we get a bit of a feel of it when we do, when we do read it. So, would you join <coughs> me in saying, Most high, all-powerful of the Lord, your Lord's are the praises, the glory, and the honour, and all blessing. To you alone, most high, do they belong, and no human is worthy to mention your name. Praise be you, my Lord, with all your creatures, especially so brother Son, who is today and through whom you give us light. And, and he is beautiful and radiant with grace tender, and bears the likeness of you, most high one. Praise be you, my Lord, through the sister moon and the stars. In heaven you formed them clear and precious and beautiful. Praise be you, my Lord, through the brother wind and through the air, cloudy and serene, and every kind of weather. Through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise be you, my Lord, through the sister water, who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise be you, my Lord, through the brother fire, through whom you light the night, and that he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praise be you, my Lord. Through our sister, Mother Earth, who sustains and governs us, and who produces various fruits with coloured flowers and herbs. Praise to you, my Lord, through those who give pardon for your love and bear infirmity and tribulation. Blessed are those who endure in peace, for by you, most high, shall they be crowned. Praise to you, my Lord, through our sister bodily death, from whom no living can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. 
always truly will, for the second death shall do them no harm. Praise and bless my Lord, and give him thanks, and serve him with great humility. Well done. That was beautiful. Lovely. We got the feel of it, I, I hope. The sort of sense of the rhythm of it. Um, it's a song which is composed by Francis. And I use the word composed deliberately, not written by Francis. It, it's likely that someone else wrote it. He, he, he dictated or he would sing it and then people would pick it up and write it down. So it's composed by him in the Umbrian dialect. The Umbrian dialect. It's not in Latin. In fact, it's a, it's a particular time for the Italian language because it was just at this time that's, that it's emerging from the predominance of Latin, the sort of the Latin, the Latin um, culture. And it's beginning to have its own life. It's, it's rather like sort of um, early English, you know, gradually coming into, into its own. Um, in, in, this, in this country, and I suppose you could say it's like, like Chaucer or Piers Plowman, or perhaps a bit earlier than that. Um, this, uh, uh, obviously influenced very much by Latin, but nevertheless, um, it's, it, it, it's, 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 I mean, it's regarded by Italians as one of the keystones of the Italian language, uh, the, the, the canticle. Um, it's... Um, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, even in the Italian, it doesn't rhyme in the sort of normal sense. But there, there, are, there are other ways of which it, there are poetic um, um, <coughs> practices, poetic tricks in it, um, which you get in the Italian. So um, the word for Lord, signore, is, is, uh, is, is echoed in words like splendore and amore and benezione and significazione and tribulazione. There's a lot of that, that Italian emphasis on the last, on the last uh, syllable. Um, and you get in it um, sort of these, these uh, repetitions of, of things grouped in fours. So you give us who is Press, praise be you, my lord, through Sister Water, who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. And Brother Fire, he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. So there is a sort of poetic um, feel to it, um, which, of course, comes over much more in the Italian. <coughs> and it begins by these words in the first stanza. Most high, all-powerful good lord, Yours are the praises, the glory, and the honour, and all blessing. To you alone, most high, do they belong. Francis is influenced by the troubadour tradition, by this love song tradition, but there's no <coughs> doubt that he is composing um, a love song to the Lord. I mean, it's, it's centred. It's centred on, on, on the love of God. Uh, his uh, biographers, his contemporaries, record that the praise of God was constantly on Francis's lips. Um, and he's left us a number of prayers uh, which, which are simply praises of God. Let us bless the Lord God, living and true. 
Let us always give him praise, glory, honour, blessing, and every good. Amen. Amen. He ends one of his letters. Uh, we adore you, most holy Lord Jesus Christ, here in all your churches throughout all the world. And we bless you because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. He gave that as a, a, a prayer which his brothers should say every time they enter a church. Um, we do, actually. Um, we, we carry on that practice. Or the lovely prayer which he called, called the, uh, we, we call the absorbiat. May, the, may your love, O Lord, fiery and sweet as honey, so absorb our hearts as to withdraw them from all that is under heaven. May we be ready to die for love of your love, as you have died for love of, love of our love. And he composes, towards the end of his life, a, 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 a great hymn of praise, uh, just recounting the, the names of God, the, the attributes of God. Lord, you are mercy, you are you are peace, you are gentleness, you are compassion, you are our hope, and so on and so on, just repeating that. Um, you know, I, we, we, I think, are unused to that in our culture. We're unused to that God-centeredness, God-awareness in our culture, in our Western secular culture. Go to Africa, and it's very different. I mean... Some, I'm sure, you know, Daphne, you spent some time in, in, in Zimbabwe, and so have I. And, you know, therefore, there it's, it's not, not, not at all unusual for people to be constantly sort of referring to God, uh, the reality of God, the presence of God. You know, people pray on buses at the beginning of journeys. The driver, you know, wants to praise God before you have a journey and praise God at the end of it as well. And the way they drive and the traffic in there, you know, but, you know, it's, that, that's a, the reality of the presence of God. Um, and, you know, our great cathedrals have been built to the greater glory of God. But we don't build great cathedrals like that today. Um, it's there as a sort of a... Um, and we see it, most people see them as, you know, just historical monuments, something from the past. But that present reality of living in the presence of God is something which our culture finds it difficult to understand. And that last, that first stanza ends with the words, no human is worthy to mention your name. Um, some people say that the canticle actually is, reflects the pattern of the, the Lord's Prayer, which begins with, you know, hallowed be your name. And it goes through, actually, you know, um, recognition of the sustenance which God brings and the need for forgiveness and protection from evil and then ending up with praise and thanksgiving. That's a moot point, really. But um, for Francis, humility and recognising our, our, our status before God, that we are not worthy to mention the name of God, and yet we've been given to him, we're not worthy to do so, is absolutely central for, for, for him. He's overwhelmed by God's greatness and his, his, his littleness, um, his unworthiness. He, 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 talks about, he talked about himself as being, as living the life of penance, or doing penance. Now, that isn't actually making restitution or trying to buy God's favour. It's rather trying, I mean, penance comes <coughs> from the word repentance and the, the Greek, 
word for repentance is metanoia, which is about turning. Mm. It's about living a radically different life. Living a life which actually recognises our true situation before God. Um, that, uh, God, you are very big and I'm very small um, in a big scene. Um, uh, Francis lived with that sense of, uh, of, of recognising his dependence, his utter dependence upon God. Um, what a person is before God, said Francis, that is what that person is. That and nothing more. You can have as much money as you like, you can have status, you can have great achievements, you can have lots of friends, you can have a Facebook page, you know, <laughs> whatever. You can, have a, you can have all that, but actually what counts is who you are before God. We are creatures, we're not God. We're not actually masters of our destiny. He, at the end of his life he was overheard praying, Lord, who are you? And who am I? Who are you and who am I? Being led deeper into the mystery of God, which leads him into a deeper sense of mystery about himself. Um, uh, and he had this, his whole, he's, he's known as the Poverello, the little poor man of Assisi. And he did, he was very, absolutely clear about ownership of any kind. He wouldn't forbade his brothers to even touch money. And, um, <laughs> At a time, of course, when money was a great division in the culture. Only the rich had money in those days. Everyone else bartered. And he wanted to be amongst the minorities, the lesser people. Amongst those who, who were powerless. He sought to be, so he was very strict about that, about possession. But it was not just an exterior poverty, it was an interior poverty. Recognising that we are all ultimately poor before God. All poor before God. And the, the questions raised, of course, you know, is there something, you know, world-denying about all this? I mean, is it sort of a, is Francis um, living with a, a sort of um, a, a dualistic view of life, that, that everything in heaven is wonderful and nothing counts for much on this earth? Um, but in fact, the rest of the canticle um, counters that because it's it's a wonderful affirmation of the goodness of creation if we go on to the the, the the second the second stanza praise be you my lord with all your creatures um, the creatures are a gift and to be given thanks and praise to god for um, especially sabada son um, of course, the sun in 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 uh, in our sort of in biblical and Christian tradition is is linked with with, with God, um, the Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, lovely Wesleyan hymn, the Son of Righteousness, and there's the lovely Advent Antiphon, um, O rising sun, you are the splendour of the eternal light and the sun of justice. Oh, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Um, God, like the sun, shines his light upon us. Without the sun, we're unable to live. We can't look at the sun. Francis was writing this when he was blind. It's interesting. Um, 
In, in one of the accounts, it says, above all creatures, unendowed with reason, Francis had a particular love for the sun and for fire. He used to say that when the sun um, rises, all men should praise God. Um, a great sense of the, that the sun reminded him of the sun reminded him of the, the brightness and the glory of God. And then we go on to Sister Moon, and uh, uh, through Sister Moon and the stars, um, in heaven you formed them. Um, uh, the, the scriptures and the Christian church has always been very cautious about um, acknowledging the planets and the, and, 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 and the moon and the stars and the, uh, all the heavenly beings um, because as a counter to, to the worship, the worship of the heavenly bodies. Um, uh, but, but this isn't worship, this is giving praise to God um, on their behalf. Um, Recognising that the, the sun and the moon give praise to God. And unlike the sun, the moon, um, the moon doesn't emit its own light, it, it, it's a reflector. And, and the early Christians talked about the church as being like the moon, reflecting, reflecting the light of God. We are reflectors. Um, this isn't pantheism, this isn't saying God is the stars, God is the moon, God is the sun, but rather that these point us towards God and give praise to God. Um, and he then goes on in the third stanza to, to every other creature. Um, brother wind, brother wind, and through the air cloudy and serene and every kind of weather through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Sister water, brother fire, mother earth. He's actually naming the four elements, the four elements which... Everybody in the, those days in his culture believed that's what everything was made of the, those four elements. Earth, air, fire, water. He's, 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 he's naming those. There's one more thing I want to point out before we, we stop. It's really, really, really important. Is the preposition in use here. Um, Praise be you, my Lord, with all your creatures. Praise be you, my Lord, through Brother Wind. It comes from the Italian per, per, which can be translated a number of different ways. It can be translated with, by, for, and um, through. Um, and it, it could be, this song could be taken as a praise to God for all, all his creatures, um, uh, giving thanks to God for all that is around us. But actually, what's come to be recognised is that actually, the, and there's now the translation which is usually accepted, is translating pair not as for, but as with, or through, or by, with a sense of participation that uh, we are joining with all these creatures, all that is around us, in giving praise to God. A recognition that he, Francis has a recognition that he is part of creation. 
a, a mystical relationship with creation. He, is, he belongs to creation. And we'll be saying more of that in the second session. Um, again, one of, his, one of his early biographers says he embraces all things with an intensity of unheard devotion, speaking to them about the Lord and exalting them to praise him. He has this sense of engagement with, with the creatures, with all that's around him. Often as he walked along a road thinking and singing of Jesus, he would forget his destination and start inviting all the elements to praise Jesus. He would just get caught up in it. Um, and then lastly, I like this one. We who were with him, this is the early friars, we who were with him saw him always in such joy, inwardly and outwardly, over all creatures, touching and looking at them, so that it seemed his spirit was no longer on earth, but in heaven. 